everyone. Welcome to Dig Deep. Today we are starting a brand new series entitled Enough. Listen to these words from author Lynn Twist. She writes, for me and for many of us, our first waking thought of the day is I didn't get enough sleep. The next one is I don't have enough time. Whether true or not, she says, that thought of not enough occurs to us automatically before we even think to question or examine it. We spend most of the hours and the days of our lives hearing, explaining, complaining, or worrying about what we don't have enough of. And I don't know if you relate to her, but I know I do, because I'm pretty sure so far this week I have already said the words, I didn't get enough sleep last night, and I don't have enough time. And I don't tend to think of myself as someone who's always looking for more or someone who isn't satisfied with what she has, but I definitely often have thoughts like, man, if we could just do that one project, then the house would feel complete. Or if we could just upgrade our vehicles next year, then we'd be set for like five to 10 years. Or if we could just get that next promotion or that pay bump, then we'd be able to accomplish these goals that we have. It just doesn't feel like enough sometimes. Even our vacations often don't feel like enough. I have heard people say, and I think I've said it myself, I feel like I need a vacation from the vacation we just took. And then I know I feel this way about myself pretty often. I feel like I'm not creative enough or experienced enough or qualified enough for a certain opportunity or task that's in front of me. And Lynn Twist says it this way, what begins as a simple expression of the hurried life or even the challenged life grows into the great justification for an unfulfilled life. And so as we start this series enough today, I want us to look at the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 12, Paul writes, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And I am glad Paul refers to it as a secret. He says, I've learned the secret and it feels like a secret. It is so easy to get pulled in by the current of not enough, that contentment, real contentment in any situation feels elusive. It feels like a secret. And so over the course of this series, we're going to look at some of the main areas of life where we are prone to feel like we don't have enough. We're going to talk about time. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about stuff, possessions, and then we're going to talk about ourselves when we feel like we ourselves are not enough. And so this week, to start off the series, we're talking about time, feeling like we don't have enough time. And what's especially hilarious to me is that I intended to kick off this series three weeks ago, but I haven't been able to make it happen because I have not truly been living out the principles that I'm going to share with you today. Now, you know, I make it very clear that nothing I teach in the podcast comes from a place of assuming I've figured it out or that I'm living this out perfectly. You and I are in this together. We are asking God to teach us and bring us closer to his son, Jesus, who is the rock that we are digging down to and building our lives upon. But in this case, even more than usual, I am telling you that I need to hear this message today. To give you some context, I first started working on this series over the summer, and if you're a regular listener, you know that this summer I lost my grandmother. 
It was a summer uh, unlike any I've ever had. My grandmother was perfectly healthy over the holidays. She hosted our annual Christmas cookie exchange, and we all laughed and shared stories around her table. Then our little one, baby Joe, was born in January. At my sister's baby shower in February, my grandma had a slight cough that she couldn't quite kick. In March, she ended up in the hospital with pneumonia. A few weeks later, it was discovered that the cancer was back. And in May, she was given about two months to live. And six weeks later, she was gone. Six weeks. You know how fast six weeks goes by? Six weeks ago, I was doing back-to-school shopping with my kids. Six weeks from now, we're going to be rolling from Halloween right into Thanksgiving. Six weeks is, is short. And those six weeks were unlike any other season of my life thus far. And if you've ever had a loved one receive such a harsh timeline, then you know that suddenly everything else fades into the background a little bit. You don't make any new plans you cancel some of your existing plans and you make yourself as available as possible just to be present. And of course, some elements of life continued as usual. I mean, I still fed my kids breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I was in the throes of caring for a newborn. But the normal busyness and speed of life slowed down and my sense of time changed. And it was in the middle of that six weeks that our, one of our teaching pastors at our church, Rich Yager, shared a message on time, and he pointed us to a lesser-known verse in the Bible from the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you are not very familiar with the Bible, first of all, I want to say welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited that you're listening to the podcast. But if you've heard of the Bible referred to as a book, I want you to know that it's actually a library of books, of 66 books, and they contain all different styles of literature. There are books that are law books and history books and books that contain wisdom and poetry, all different types of literature. And Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom. And so wisdom books are not books of the law and they're not books that are necessarily promises from God to us. They're more observations about life. And when you take those observations to heart, they will make your life better. We're told in Proverbs that wisdom is like a crown. It's like jewels. It's like treasure. We should seek after it because like riches, it will make our lives better. And so this is the verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2. It starts by saying, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. Now, I got to stop there and I thought, wait, 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 What? You've got to be kidding me. You're saying it's better to go to a funeral than to go to a wedding? Because I've been to several of both, and I can't say I agree. But the verse continues. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. And I realized in that moment that that was what I was experiencing. My priorities shifted. My sense of time itself had changed. Because spending time in a house of mourning reminded me that time does go by so quickly and there will be a day for all of us when time stops. I was reminded that one day that will be me. Now I promise my goal today is not just to bum you out. So please 
stick with me because I do believe that if you implement and if I implement the wisdom that we're going to talk through today, our lives will be better today, this week, this month, this year, if we live by these principles. And so we're going to talk about two very basic, almost common sense principles that are just really hard to apply sometime. But before we do, I want to point out an overarching truth that is the framework for these two principles. It comes from Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, written by Moses, and he writes, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so the principle is this, the the overarching truth is that our time here on earth is finite. Our time here on earth is finite. And you might be thinking, Uh, I know that. And first of all, Jess, you said you weren't going to keep bumming me out. But second, that's why I feel like I don't have enough of it. I mean, if I could truly number my days, I would want more. And on a level, you're totally right. There is not enough time. There is never enough time. It was too soon for my grandmother. It's too soon for all of us. We will always want more time. And while none of us can know the exact number of our days that we have left here on earth, We can digest and accept in a healthy way the idea that our time here on earth is finite. And when we do that, it has the potential to shape the way we use our time and lead us to greater peace, greater contentment, and greater fulfillment in our lives. And so we're going to look at this wisdom. And remember, wisdom almost always pushes against our natural urges. And so know that that is the case. These things are not going to flow from you naturally. You will have to work at them, but I believe they will make our lives better. So the first is to invest in rest, invest in rest. And we're going to start by talking about sleep. Sleep seems like the worst use of time to me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love sleep, but it does not seem like a great use of time. I mean, I've heard people say, especially people who burn the candle at both ends have said the phrase, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And yes, you will. But if you do not get enough sleep now while you're alive, your waking hours will suffer for it. We were created by God to need sleep. And in our culture, we do not get enough sleep. Now, if you are a parent of young children like I am, you might be saying, yeah, well, I'd love to get more sleep, but God has called me to be a mom or a dad. And believe me, nobody gets it more than I do. But there are things that you and I choose to do that affect our lack of sleep. We cannot control how our children prevent us from sleeping, but there are steps we can take to sleep better. And we know that lack of sleep causes all kinds of problems. I mean, it impairs our attention, our alertness, our concentration, our reasoning, learning, memory, problem solving. We've heard that sleep deprivation puts us at significantly greater risk for heart disease and high blood pressure and stroke and diabetes. And I could spend a chunk of time trying to convince you that lack of sleep makes your life worse, but I don't think I need to. You know that it does. Rest is an investment. Rest is an investment. It is not a concession or a luxury. 
it is an investment. And there are people around the world who are oppressed. And one of the ways they are abused is by being deprived of rest. But if you are listening and you live in the West, we live in a culture that allows us to rest and we don't take the opportunity. Harry R. Lewis is a professor at Harvard University and the dean of the undergraduate school. And he wrote a letter to the students of Harvard entitled Slow Down. And in this letter, he's imploring them to take a good hard look at their schedule and make sure that they do not over schedule themselves. And here's a quote that I love from his letter. He says, empty time is not a vacuum to be filled. It is the thing that enables the other things on your mind to be creatively rearranged, like the empty square in the four by four puzzle, which makes it possible to move the other 15 pieces around. Did you ever have one of those puzzles when you were a kid where it, it's about the size of 16 squares, but one square is missing so you can move the pieces around and try to solve the puzzle? My favorite one that I had when I was a kid was a picture of a zebra. It was really cool. But what these Ivy League schools are finding and what Professor Lewis is saying is that you need rest in order to solve the problems that are in front of you. Ivy League schools in general have expressed a growing concern that while their incoming applicants have incredible grades and high test scores and an insane amount of extracurriculars, their students are showing a lack of ability in the area of creative thinking. Because in their white knuckle attempt to be the very best that they could possibly be, they have cut out the essential ingredient of rest and free space in their lives. And so if you are listening and you're a mom or a dad who maybe has made the same mistake that I did this fall in slightly overscheduling my kids and my family for extracurricular activities, Ivy League schools are telling you it's okay to chill out. You need rest. We were designed to rest. Every element of our lives will be better if we invest in rest and we have to defend that open square in the puzzle because all of life wants to come crashing in on it. So I want to encourage you to rest one whole day each week. That is what God commanded his people to do in the Bible, and I believe he wants the same for us. And this is difficult because just when we defend a day off of work and we try not to schedule any major activities on that day, it is all too easy to start putting together a, a to-do list of chores or house projects or errands or just a myriad of other little things to fill it. Defend that day, not just against working, but against all the little tasks and chores and to-do list things that can get in the way of real rest. So I want to challenge you to talk with your spouse, to look at your calendar and to try to carve out and defend a day each week where you can truly rest. And then I want to challenge you personally to carve out some portion of every single day to sit quietly and rest. Now, for most of us, resting has become sitting and listening to uh, our favorite TV show or watching something with our spouse, and that's good. It's good to relax and have fun and laugh together, but I want to encourage you to find a space and time where even if it's just for 15 minutes, you can sit quietly and pray and then read the Bible and then pray again. Now, if this is possible in the morning, 
especially before your kids wake up, I think it will set your day off on the right course. But wherever you can find time to sit quietly and still, even if it's just for 15 minutes, and rest each day, your life will be better for it. And so that's the first step to invest in rest. And once you've done that, and if you carve it out and truly defend it, then you need to decide what you're going to do with all the rest of the waking hours of your week. And so the second principle is to make your yes worth the less. And I know that's a mouthful, but it comes from a quote from Lisa Turkhurst in her book, The Best Yes, that I want to read to you. She says, whenever you say yes to something, there is less of you for something else. Make sure your yes is worth the less. And this is true. We know that this is true. A Harvard Business Review article puts it this way. They say it's, it's just simple math. Each additional project divides your time into smaller and smaller pieces so that you have less of it to devote to anything. Whereas if you reduce your number of responsibilities, you have more time to devote to each one. That means on an individual level, you want to strike the ideal balance between the number of projects and the time you need to excel in them. And it almost made me laugh out loud, like, do we really need someone to break it down for us that simply? And then I felt a little embarrassed because I thought, well, apparently I do. Because even though I know that that's true, I don't always live that way. Economists call this the opportunity cost. And so if they're talking about money, they would say, if you spend $10 on something, then you have $10 less to spend on something else. It's opportunity cost. And so when was the last time you said no? How often do you decline invitations? Time is like a container, and busyness will fill any container that you let it. There will always be something or someone demanding your time, and wisdom is knowing how to invest the time that you have. Wisdom involves saying no to some things, so that you can say yes to the best things. One of my favorite parts of Lisa Turker's book is where she actually gives you sample emails that you can steal to help you say no to somebody. And I was like, I need this. I'm so bad at saying no. I don't want to disappoint anybody. I overcommit myself. Listen, time is a limited commodity. It's finite, remember? And you don't know how much you have. You can know how much you have in your checking account, but you don't know how much time you have. And so our temptation is often to try to cram as much as we can into the time that we have. We feel like being busy and being productive is making the most of our time and it will lead us to the best life possible. So we become expert jugglers and multitaskers. I live this out and struggle with this every single day. My husband will tell you that my toothbrush is completely mangled because I cannot force myself to just stand there and brush my teeth. I have to be doing at least two things all the time. And so if I'm brushing my teeth, I'm also cleaning off the bathroom sink or getting dressed or brushing one of my kids' hair or getting them dressed. And I know that a lot of you who are listening are checking something off your to-do list while you listen. You're either commuting into work or running on the treadmill. Maybe you're making dinner or folding laundry. My aunt, who listens to the podcast, told me recently that I'm her shower buddy. And I said, that's super weird. Maybe don't ever say it quite like that again. But I told her, I'm glad she listens, and I don't care when or where she listens, and good for her for getting two things done at once. And multitasking, like listening to a podcast or an audiobook while you run or commute to work or take a shower, is great. 
But generally, we find that when we feel like we're being more productive when we multitask, we actually aren't as productive as we would be if we focused on one thing at a time. And what's perhaps even more dangerous about multitasking is that it can start to bleed over into a lifestyle if we're not careful. We begin to avoid quiet and rest, and we gravitate toward busyness for busyness sake. And that's where we start to veer off course. And I don't think it's conscious for any of us. For me, the litmus test of when I have gotten off course in this way is when my kids ask me to sit down and play with them. And it's not like when they ask me to sit and read a book to them, because then there's something about that where I feel like I'm accomplishing something, like we're working toward the end of the book and then check, we finished it. And then now we're going to do another book and check, we finished it. But sitting down and just experiencing open playtime with them, with Legos or whatever, if I have gotten into a hyper multitasking, busy, busy mindset, it is very difficult for me to sit down and play with my children. How difficult is it for you to slow down? Because I believe life is better slow. The problem is we live in a culture that worships speed. And we live in a culture that has negative connotations even for the word slow. Slow often means lazy, like come on slowpoke, or it can mean unproductive, like business has been slow recently. And it can even mean dumb. Someone might say he's a little slow. None of us wants to be known as lazy, unproductive, or dumb. So we subconsciously resist slow and a slow lifestyle. And while we're on this topic, I want to say if you're holding out for some future season of life where you feel like then it'll be good to live a slow lifestyle, but now it's just busy and then later will be slow, I think you may be believing a lie. I know recently I thought, man, once fall sports and the busy season of photography is over, then life will be less busy. It'll be less hectic. And then shortly after that, I thought, what am I thinking Then we're right in the midst of the holidays, and the holidays are not usually a very relaxed and unhurried time of year for me. And so if there's part of you that thinks, yeah, this is a nice idea, but maybe maybe at the end of the semester, or this is just a particularly crazy week, maybe next week, or maybe in retirement, or maybe when the kids are grown, or maybe when I graduate, things will be different. I think that you may be believing a lie there that life will gradually, naturally slow down. No, you need to force it to slow down now. It's time to slow down. And the thing that is going to make that possible is you mustering up the guts to say no and to say it a lot. And so as we close today, I I want us to revisit the secret that Paul discovered. Let's read in Philippians 4 verses 12 to 13 again. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. See, the secret is Jesus. Paul is able to find that contentment through Jesus. And here's how Jesus himself put it. And I love the way the message paraphrased this passage in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, 
Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so that time that you're going to carve out every day, even if it's just 15 minutes, spend it with him. Spend it with Jesus. Ask him for guidance on your yeses and your noes, because I guarantee you there are yeses that he has for you that you don't even know about yet. And they're not spiritual chores that he wants to add to your to-do list. They're not, as he says, heavy or ill-fitting. His ways are the ways to living freely and lightly. So invest in rest and make your yes worth the less. Create space to rest and be with God and let him lead you on how to spend your days. He is the only one who has real contentment to offer and he's waiting for you. Thanks so much for being here today. I am really excited about the content that we're going to cover in this series. So I hope you'll come back and join us next week as we talk about money. I hope you have an awesome week. And until next time, remember to dig deep.